It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well, having a great week so far. Got a lot to get to on today's podcast. Can be joined by a special guest, an old friend, Matt Zemek from Trojan Wire, covering USC athletics. BYU and USC set to do battle today in the Mohegan Sun Resort, the Bubbleville back there in Connecticut. He'll preview that game. Also give us some thoughts on what he's observed from BYU football so far this year as a longtime college football writer. And of course, we'll also talk a little more about BYU football. What are the chances of the Cougars at a game this Friday? I've got some intel I'm going to share with you guys based on some conversations I've had with people around the BYU football program. So a lot to get to on a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Go. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on as this podcast rolls out. All right, with that rundown out of the way, let's waste no more time and get into it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for December 1st, 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking some time to download your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars with us here. Starting off today's show, uh, I had some conversations, obviously, and many of you have asked the question, Jake, what are the chances BYU gets a game for this coming weekend? And to be frank with you guys, right up front, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm going to tell you straight up. To be honest with you, there's a lot of moving parts still around this. The good news is Tom Homo is leaving no stone unturned with regards to finding an opponent potentially for this weekend. Does it mean it ultimately comes out where BYU finds a game? I have my doubts, folks, to be honest with you. But I can tell you this much. Based on the conversations I've had with folks around the BYU football program in the past 24 hours or so, there are some real legs to BYU trying every avenue when it comes to finding a football game. I do think the fact that they have publicly flirted with Washington in the Pac-12 actually makes it more likely that BYU could end up with a game against the Pac-12 rather than the situation devolving where these two sides are like, hey, you know what, we're not dealing with each other. I know that's funny to say, but based on some people I have talked to around the BYU football program, the situation with the Washington snafu that all went down more than likely actually shows that BYU's willing to publicly flirt with the Pac-12. And should uh, the Pac-12 have an uneven number of teams this coming weekend with regards to COVID-19, etc., there are four teams still dealing with it. Washington State, USC, they're scheduled to play a game on Sunday with the hope that both of those programs can get their COVID issues under control before playing that game. Arizona State still dealing with issues on their own. And it's just one of those things you look at and say, you know what? Okay, if one or three of these teams are unable to play this weekend, all of a sudden the Pac-12 has nine or 11 teams. And if they want to have a full slate of six games and collect the game checks that come from the six broadcasts that they are expected to have, well, you need a 12th or 10th team. And 
whoa, there's a school over there in Provo, Utah that happens to be available and be happy to join you guys and play a game if you'll guarantee it. Does it come out that that, that happens for BYU? I can't say that it does, but I can tell you this much. BYU is practicing this week. The players are in town. They're all back from the Thanksgiving holiday, and they are practicing with the intent that they expect to play a football game this week. Their opponent, unknown. It's similar to the situation BYU found themselves in during the first part of training camp way back when in August. BYU went into training camp not knowing if they were even going to play a game this season. They had their entire schedule wrecked. 10 of the original 12 opponents canceled on them due to COVID-19 and conference issues, protocols that required them to cancel those games. And BYU legitimately went in to training camp thinking, you know what? Maybe we play the middle of October against Houston, but we don't know anything before then. Then BYU started piecing together a schedule. They have put together a 10-game slate, and honestly, if BYU plays all 10 of their games, and it looks like they will, barring something unforeseen with San Diego State or BYU on their own going into the next week, BYU will have a 10-game schedule that they will have played the entirety of, and that's pretty impressive. Now, would you like to send a message to the college football playoff committee by going out and pasting a Pac-12 team or bringing in some other opponents to just absolutely show them what's up? Sure. And we're going to find out more about the college football playoff rankings this evening when the second edition are revealed. I do think there will be a minor course correction when it comes to BYU. I don't think they'll stick at number 14. I think they will move up. Uh, If BYU gets to 12 tonight, I consider that a pretty good success. And it means that BYU is trending in the right direction and the public outcry from the national media is actually paying off. I think BYU is in a pretty good spot right now, all things considered. But it sounds like they are trying everything they can do to find a game. The issue is BYU is really good, and a lot of G5 opponents in particular are not interested in traveling to Provo or even hosting BYU with the thought that BYU is going to come in, route them, and then walk away the victors and collect all the spoils of that victory. Here's hoping that something shakes out, but it's 50-50 at best, I would say. I I would actually say it's more 40-60 in terms of 40% chance BYU plays at the very best this weekend 60% chance they don't but I'm sure I'll bring anything else I hear to you guys each and every day going forward on this podcast because like I've said this podcast I share everything I can glean everything my sources tell me that I can verify I share with you guys I hold nothing back so I'll make sure to pass along anything else I learn as we go throughout the week here. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk more about a broad view of the BYU football program. Going to be joined by Matt Zemek from TrojanWire.com. He's been covering college football, football excuse me, for the better part of two decades. Has been a longtime observer of BYU as a guy who resides in the western United States. We'll also preview the USC-BYU basketball game that takes place today, 12.30 p.m. Mountain Time, a matinee affair at the Mohegan Sun back there in Connecticut in Bubble. We'll examine that with Matt Zemek coming up here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Built Go, guys. We tell you a lot about this company, but I mean it when I say it. The Built brand of family of companies, including Built Bar and Built Go, they are the best. What I love about them is they are all about making sure people feel right and can do the best that they possibly can. And that's no different with Built Go. What Built Go is, is a 1.5 ounce gel packet that is supposed to help you guys break through whatever barriers you guys have in your daily lives. I'm a guy who wakes up very early. The early 
early to mid afternoons, that's when I hit my wall physically. I want to take a nap. I'm struggling. And you know what? Bilko has been a fantastic addition to helping me break through that barrier and stay going strong throughout the day. There's a lot to get done as a dad of two small children, a husband, a guy who works in sports media full time. And even with this podcast, I've got a lot on my plate, but Bilko helps me power through it, guys. It's got collagen protein, a kick of caffeine to get you going, and then the B vitamins to keep you going. It's like that five-hour energy without the crash and burn afterwards. Check it out. Go to BiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED when you get there, L-O-C-K-E-D, and save 20% on your next order. It's a great way to get through whatever barriers might be holding you back. So let's go with BiltGo. Go to BiltGo.com. Use that promo code LOCKED and save 20% on your next order at BiltGo. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. A reminder for you guys, tomorrow we'll recap everything we learned from the college football playoff rankings revealed this evening. We'll make sure to recap wherever BYU lands. And like I said, I hope that they move up in the national rankings. And I think there's a little bit of that course correction is the term I like to use with regards to BYU and that 14th ranking last week. We'll see if that ultimately comes to fruition. But I have a sneaking suspicion that there will be some movement and BYU will be the beneficiary or one of the beneficiaries. So we'll preview that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. Right now, though, we're going to chat with a good friend, a guy I've interacted with for the better part of a decade, especially on social media and Twitter, Matt Zemek from TrojanWire.com. Like I said, I've been interacting with Matt for a long time. He's been a longtime observer of college football, college basketball, and just sports in general. A great gentleman overall. Matt, thanks for taking the time. How are you, sir? It's great to hear from you, Jake. I'm glad you reached out. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter, you know, social media, it can be used in a bad way. It can also be used in a really good way. You certainly practice that. And I've made a number of online friendships from, from Twitter. It's, all, it's like television or any other form of technology or communication. You can use it well. You can use it poorly. I think you've used it well. Well, I appreciate the compliment, but let's talk uh, first off here a little about BYU football. You've been covering college football since the beginning of the 20 aughts, 2000, if I'm not mistaken. What BYU has been doing this year in football has been pretty impressive by all accounts. 9-0 record, depending where you look at the rankings, 8 in the coaches poll, 8 in the AP poll. We'll find out more about the college football playoff rankings as they come out, but where do you kind of start and end with your observations of BYU football this season? Well, it starts with Zach Wilson, who has been dynamic and consistent and impressive. You know, he, he, he finds different ways to win. You know, he's not a one trick pony. I think that's the essential observation to make. And and so that, that's what gives BYU's offense uh, the flexibility and, and situational dexterity uh, needed to handle all sorts of different opponents. I mean, BYU has played all teams with various playing styles, from Navy at the start of the season to Houston and, and everything in between. So Zach Wilson has been able to do whatever has been needed in very different moments. I mean, up in, in Boise against uh, Boise State, 
hasn't mattered. He has a solution for every problem. And, I mean, that, that's the cornerstone with, with BYU. Uh, I kind of liken BYU to Miami. Now, I think BYU is a better team than Miami if you played them, but they're similar in that Miami has De'Eric King, and whenever Miami gets into a bind, De'Eric King leads them out, out of the woods. And Miami has lacked that singularly special quarterback for a long time, and King is papering over that team's weaknesses. I, I, again, I think BYU is better than Miami, but the, the, the similarity is that Zach Wilson has an answer for every problem that comes along. You're not wrong about that. Uh, you obviously are tracking USC day in and day out. Keaton Slovis has had a good freshman campaign, kind of a bumpy up and down start to his 2020 season for the Trojans. But you've seen his rise kind of alongside what Zach Wilson's been doing. Do you think Zach Wilson is truthfully a first-round NFL talent? I think, you you know, certainly. And I think in light of the fact that Patrick Mahomes was not a top 10 pick. And moreover, a lot of people, including myself, were, were not completely sold on Mahomes. I mean, you know, I was right about having Deshaun Watson over Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. in that particular draft, but I didn't think, I didn't see Mahomes coming, not at this level. And so, you know, I think the Mahomes situation is very illustrative of how Zach Wilson has first round talent, or, or at least it shouldn't be undersold that's for sure BYU is obviously hoping to make it to a New Year's Six bowl game do you think if they only play the one more game they have scheduled against San Diego State that they are worthy of inclusion into that or do you think they need to find at least one more game uh, I think it's actually both uh, you know that's really my okay. answer because I think in terms of I think in terms of deserving it BYU already does deserve it but in terms of the politics, which, you know, we had to know this was coming with the horrible ranking five slots below two lost Georgia, absolute BS. But, you know, we know that the college football playoff committee elevates the power five, elevates the SEC in particular. We know this is how it works. So just from a political standpoint, playing chess, Tom Homo needs to get a marquee game. So it's really both. BYU already does deserve the bid. But if you're playing politics, you're playing three-dimensional chess, you'd need that high-profile game. What do you think are the chances BYU does find, let's say, a Power 5 marquee game? Obviously, we've seen the whole debacle with the Washington game. Uh, The Pac-12 continues to have to reschedule and shuffle things around. We're seeing it across college football, by and large, ACC, Big Ten, etc. What do you kind of see for BYU in terms of their potential of finding a Power 5 opponent? Okay, well, first off, Jake, I want to say to your listeners, I offer no, uh, you know, estimation in terms of likelihood that anything will happen. Because we're we're all flying blind here in a pandemic. None of this is a predictive statement. But in terms of a recommendation to Tom Holmo and BYU, I would say I would be on the phone with Wisconsin or, or maybe... Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, because you're seeing the mess in the Big Ten right now. You know, Ohio State might not be allowed to play in the Big Ten title game uh, if uh, it has one more game cancellation. And then, um, you know, North, with North, the Northwestern Minnesota game, people might not know this, just got canceled. And through the screwy, weird Big Ten policy, that's going to clinch the Big Ten West for Northwestern. 
which means Wisconsin's on the, on the outside looking in. So, uh, you know, if I'm BYU, I press the Big Ten first off to say, hey, reconsider what you're doing here. And then second, we'd love to play uh, Wisconsin. I think that would be the move, you know, because BYU against Ohio State, that might set up the Cougars in, in a position to fail. But I think if you can get Wisconsin on the horns, do something to get the Big Ten to have a carve-out or an exception uh, for, for its uh, game policies moving forward. Because the Big Ten is going to play games on the, December 19th, but um, those are like the consolation games while the Big Ten championship game is played. So, you know, if, if BYU can convince the Big Ten to say, hey, instead of just playing your in-conference consolation games, pull Wisconsin aside and let's create a made-for-TV game with Wisconsin. So that's, that's one particular avenue. And just, just to add a little detail here, Jake, you know, the Pac-12 didn't allow non-conference games yes. until it did. And we're seeing conferences reverse themselves on all sorts of decisions and policies. It's all very fluid. The idea that this can't happen as though there's already some kind of law against it is absurd. So if I'm BYU, I just try to push the envelope and I try to make something happen. I don't think that that's necessarily likely. But again, I, I'm not, I offer no predictions, but just that there are many creative solutions waiting to be found. You just have to ask the questions. There you go, Matt Zemek, TrojanWire.com. We'll switch gears, talk a little BYU basketball, preview the USC-BYU matchup in Bubbleville out there at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut here in just a moment. Real quick, though, if you guys would like to be involved with this podcast, and what I mean by that is be involved as an advertiser with this here, we'd love to have you guys on board. We are always looking for advertisers, and we can guarantee you great success in the podcasting sphere. The Locked On Podcast Network has hundreds of podcasts across different sports, and we have a proven sales team that can help you guys have advertising success in the digital sphere. Podcast advertising, it's a whole new frontier, so if you'd like to get involved with a fan base a listenership that is well educated has disposable income guess what work with us here on the locked on podcast network we've got reasonable rates happy to help you guys and get you in front of thousands and i mean it sincerely thousands of byu fans every day and every week reach out if you are interested email us at locked on byu at gmail.com love to work with you guys and get you on the road to advertising success with us here on the locked on podcast network and the locked on cougars podcast it's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, part two of my conversation with Matt Zemek coming up here momentarily. One minor note for you guys is we found out yesterday that BYU will not face the winner of UConn and Vanderbilt as part of the Champions Challenge or whatever they're supposed to be playing there in Bubbleville because Vanderbilt has withdrawn from the competition. So BYU, they have a replacement game, which will be tomorrow, 3 p.m. Mountain Time. They'll take on the Johnnies from St. John, a Big East opponent. You'd probably prefer to have the likes of a UConn on your schedule, but you know what? St. John's is a very good replacement team for BYU in this tournament. Looking forward to that matchup. 
When I talked with Matt, we did not know that yet, so we will not discuss the format of how the tournament's going to play out here. But a great insight on what to look for from BYU and USC this coming afternoon. And if you're listening to this on a Tuesday evening, well, you probably already know the result of the game. So just to be clear with you guys, some great thoughts in a preview edition looking ahead to the BYU-USC matchup. But Matt, very good on what USC basketball means to the university and to the fan base of a football powerhouse. So more with Matt Zemek right now on the Locked On Cougars podcast. These are both basketball programs who are very much, I think, retooling from a year ago. Give me kind of a sense of what Andy Enfield and USC have at their disposal this year as they get ready to face BYU. Okay, so USC is built around Evan Mobley, uh, an elite recruit, arguably as good a basketball recruit as USC's ever had. Um, seven footer, uh, you know, but is fluid and mobile. You know, can put the ball on the deck. You know, can do a lot of different things on the floor. Has a high basketball IQ, good vision as a passer. Uh, so an amazing prospect. He's probably going to be a one and done. Um, so that that is the cornerstone of the team. And so in the first two games, to give uh, BYU listeners a sense of what's going on with USC basketball, first two games it's been a very cautious start for Evan Mobley. He he plays with his brother Isaiah Mobley, who's a sophomore. And so Isaiah Mobley's extra year of experience within the USC program has given him a certain degree of assertiveness. Now, that assertiveness is not necessarily a good thing because Evan and Isaiah Mobley have both taken the same amount of shots. Now, Evan is an exponentially better player than his older brother, but Isaiah Mobley has not been bashful about shooting the ball. USC certainly wants Evan to be getting a lot more touches and a lot more shots than Isaiah, but that hasn't happened through the first two games. And so you're seeing Evan Mobley not yet taking a leadership role on this team. Uh, you also have a sophomore point guard, Ethan Anderson, who struggled in his first season in his off-season uh, press availabilities with USC Media. He said he had really evolved. That hasn't manifested itself through the first two games. Uh, he did make some key plays late in the first game of the season against Cal Baptist final two minutes of regulation, and then in the overtime period. So that was encouraging, but he really hasn't been the take-charge point guard USC needs him to be. And the other point about Ethan Anderson, Jake, is that if Ethan Anderson could be more of a floor leader at the point guard spot, that is what will help Evan Mobley in the post Mm -hmm. get more touches and feel more comfortable within a USC half-court offense, which under Andy Enfield has not been very good the past few years. USC's half-court offense under Enfield, and Enfield's now in his eighth season. It feels, feels like forever. Yeah. Um, you know, USC's half-court offense was really good in 2016 and 2017. The Trojans made the NCAA tournament both years. That's when USC had a veteran point guard, Jordan McLaughlin, uh, and, and a very cohesive roster that worked really well together. But when McLaughlin graduated in 2018, the last two years have been a disaster in terms of point guard play. So while Evan Mobley is the superstar on this team, Ethan Anderson at the point needs to be the leader who helps Evan Mobley settle into games and and gives Evan Mobley much more of a comfort zone on the floor. So we haven't seen that through two games, and and it makes me think that BYU has a considerable advantage heading into this game in the Mohegan Sun. 
Just looking at USC's roster, though, I see six different guys listed at six foot nine or taller on this roster. So there's plenty of size here for USC to combat, which is a, combat with what is a retooled BYU front line. A lot of guys coming off red shirts a year ago, and some guys who graduated replacing them, etc. So I think this is going to be a fun battle of big men potentially. It could be one interesting part here, as you know, of course, BYU is a great three point shooting team. USC allowed 23-point makes to Cal Baptist last Wednesday. Cal Baptist was 20 of 41, basically 50% on a high volume of shots. That would make Mike D'Antoni proud. Um, (laughs) So USC's perimeter defense has not really settled in. Montana shot the ball terribly on Saturday in uh, USC's second game, so that really didn't offer a good test for BYU. But the Cal Baptist game, Last Wednesday, that was a real test leading into the BYU game, and USC flunked it. Um, Enfield has said in the off season, uh, in late October, early November, before the season began, he said, Jake, that, that last year's team was a terrible zone team. He played basically man-to-man like 98% of the time. Uh, he, he thought that this would be a better zone team, that you could get like a Syracuse, Jim Beheim 2-3, and yes, USC has length. Uh, up and down its rosters. So you, you think that USC would try a little bit more zone. He didn't really do any zone against Cal Baptist and got smoked. So the interesting chess match part of this game is definitely going to be, will Andy Enfield throw his long guys at BYU and play some 2-3, uh, maybe 1-3-1, one, one, but probably 2-3 uh, zone and give, give BYU some different looks? That's going to be something to watch for. When it comes to USC basketball, I feel like they play second fiddle to USC football, and it's actually a similar circumstance, I feel like, in many ways for BYU, with BYU football kind of being in the forefront and BYU basketball just behind them. What uh, do, do, I guess, to be honest, do USC fans care if the USC basketball program is a, a quote-unquote blue blood? Do, what is the expectation level for Trojan fans? Very interesting question. Uh, you know, I think that if the football program is rocking and rolling, that's what counts at USC, and, and, and so the basketball program is, in a sense, disposable. But the plot twist has been that US, UCLA basketball has not been very good over the past several years, more or less. So, you know, that was the really good Lonzo Ball season in 2017 uh, when UCLA made the Sweet 16 uh, but generally, UCLA basketball hasn't been very good. So there is an opening for USC basketball uh, to become the top program in Los Angeles. That, now, you know, Mick Cronin, uh, he struggled at the beginning of last season, his first go-around at UCLA. But then at the end of the season, no one was playing better basketball in the, in the Pac-12 than UCLA was. And UCLA has been tabbed by many as the uh, preseason or early season Pac-12 favorite. So this year is really crucial for USC in the sense that if UCLA dominates the league, you know, then USC's chances of competing with UCLA and being able to top UCLA go bye-bye. So if, if, if USC can turn Evan Mobley's probable one and only season uh, at Heritage Hall into a big year, you know, that could have a real impact for the program. In terms of fans' expectations for USC basketball, uh, they really expect, their main expectation is that you know Andy Antos brought in a lot of high-profile recruits. You know, last year it was Onyeka Okongwu, 
who was a lottery pick, went number six in the draft to the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet USC was on the bubble until the very end of the season. So fans don't really think of things in terms of Sweet 16, Elite 8, whatever. They think in terms of, you know, if we're bringing in these elite recruits, we should play better than what we see on the court. They want the coaching to match the level of recruiting. You know, they want USC to not be the Ron Zook of college basketball. They want to see coaching which rises to the level of recruiting. I mean, I think that manifests itself in terms of at least winning NCAA tournament games. You know, if you look through um, USC's basketball history, hasn't been in the NCAA tournament a whole lot. And it's interesting that Andy Enfield, if you count last season as an NCAA tournament season, because USC was going to be in. USC won its last three games against Arizona State, Arizona, and UCLA. USC had punched its ticket. Probably would have been a a 9 seed, maybe a 10. So if you count that as an NCAA tournament season, Andy Enfield has three NCAA tournament appearances at USC. Guess what? That's tied for first all time among all USC basketball coaches. So really in a larger historical context, he's actually been pretty good. But yet it's so clear that for, with all the elite lottery pick style players he's bringing in, the, the product on the court should be better than what it is. And that's really USC fans' expectations. Coach to the quality of your recruiting. What is the key or keys to the game for USC to beat BYU in hoops? Well, so, you know, the zone, the zone defense look is going to be interesting. You know, can USC execute a zone defense with some length to confuse BYU's ball handlers? That's part of it. But really the biggest thing is Ethan Anderson, and that's the player BYU fans will want to look at. If he is controlling the game, if he really elevates his level of play, then you have the makings of what could be a really strong USC team, but if Ethan Anderson or whoever's at point guard, Taj Eady, a Santa Clara transfer is the backup. If, if Anderson or Eady isn't delivering strong point guard play, then the Mobley brothers inside, they're not going to be as involved. They're not going to be as effective. USC needs its point guard to be really good in order for the whole roster to be connected and fluid at the offensive end of the court. If that doesn't happen, uh, USC is really going to struggle, not just against BYU, but throughout the season. So watch USC's point guard play. Well, Matt, can't thank you enough for taking some time. Looking forward to that matchup and looking forward to at some point down the road here, maybe BYU-USC get a game together in football and we'll see if we can redo this, all right? Well, you beat us the last time, so uh, I'm sure you'd <laughs> welcome a rematch. <laughs> Thanks again, Matt. Thank you, Jake. There you have it. Matt Zemek, TrojanWire.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Zemek. Make sure to reach out to him and thank him for coming on the podcast. It's always good when our guests hear from our listenership to thank them for taking the time. And you can follow his work on TrojanWire.com. I helped him out with a preview on his website of BYU and USC. You can go read that. I retweeted on both the Locked On Cougars feed and my personal Twitter feed as well. Make sure to follow the show on social media, by the way. Search out Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My personal Twitter handle, at Jacob C. Hatch. Or if you'd like to reach out to the show anytime you want via email, the email address, once again, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Once again, a big thank you to Matt Zemek and a huge thank you to all of you and your continued support of the podcast. 
If you guys don't mind, share this with a family or friend. It's the holiday season. It's December 1st today. A lot of you are going to be spending time around family members. Maybe not as much as normal, but when you have a chance, if you're a big BYU fan that you doesn't know about this podcast, share it with them. Word of mouth is one of the most effective ways that podcast listenership grows. And I can't thank you guys enough for helping this podcast grow by leaps and bounds over the past six months or so. And looking forward to bigger and better things in 2021. And it all starts with you guys. So big thank you for your support of the podcast. Hope you guys found some time and enjoyed the conversation I have with Matt Zemek today. More on the college football playoff rankings tomorrow. And a whole lot more coming up on the Locked On Cougars podcast throughout the rest of the week. I hope you guys are all doing well having a great tuesday whenever you hear this this has been the locked on cougars podcast for december 1st 2020 and we will talk to you guys manana tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day